Funny, funny things happen at church all the time. And uh, one of those funny things just happened. A lot of funny things in the preacher's mind happen as you're beginning to go through worship. And you go through a lot of worship services and you see funny things happen, such as releasing the children when there's no one to watch the children. Watching Mark frantically trying to wave it off. Charles calling them back, but some parents going, forget it, they made the announcement, I'm going. <laughs> we got all the kids out there, you know, I'm imagining a scene from Lord of the Flies right now in multipurpose room. All the children taking care of themselves. Well, that's the kind of congregation we are at Northside. We're a very professional bunch. <laughs> this year at Northside, we are talking about grace, which is probably a good theme to talk about as we talk about our need for it our reliance on it, our understanding that we all stumble, make mistakes from time to time, and it's because of his grace that we can keep moving forward. And that's our theme that we're talking about. Really, we've got a twofold goal with this, okay? It's to know Christ. And I guess maybe a better way of saying that is, is the important thing is not that you know Christ. The important thing, does he know you? And, and you know, there's a lot of people that think, well, I've, If I just invite Jesus into my heart and if I just pray this prayer, you know the Bible says nothing about that. If you want to know Christ, you've got to do one simple thing. Do what he said. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. So if you want to know him, you've got to to do what he said to do. And then once you know Christ, once Christ knows you, the important thing is that you grow in Christ. Jesus never left anyone the same. I mean, anyone that they came into contact with, they were always being transformed into his image, into something far greater, into something far better. And so this is our, what we're, our goal is, to, to know Christ, for him to know us, and to grow in Christ and to mature in our relationship with him. This series that we started the year with called All Things New, today's the last series. It was supposed to be on January 28th, but uh, I was a little under the weather. And so thank you to Sonny and to Jim for filling in on my behalf. They did a great job, and I appreciate them. And I um, uh, hope you all, we may have to pass the plate a few more times to get that uh, gift card to 6S Steakhouse. But we'll get it. If that's what Sonny wants, um, you know, you can appease me with just a chicken sandwich. That's all I need. This series is really about how in Christ God makes all things new. And he does that in two, two ways, the eternal perspective and in the everyday perspective. And so we've talked about the very first lesson was if you want to have a new life, the only way to do that is to be born again. Jesus said no one gets into the kingdom of heaven except that they're born again. Then once you're born again, you ought to be certain of your salvation. It's not just once saved, almost saved. You ought to be certain. You ought to know where you're headed and know your destination and be joyful on the journey as you go there. Now, uh, on the 21st of January, we talked about how uh, being in Christ means a transformation of our thinking, a a new way of of thinking in our minds that affects how we live. If you're in Christ and you think the same old way as you used to and you live the same old way as you used to, you haven't really been transformed. So we need to transform our thinking where we're avoiding sin and pursuing grace. And today's what we're going to talk about is in Romans chapter 6. And we're going to read that in a minute. But if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 6. We're going to be about in verse 15 and following. 
But as you turn there, and if you don't have a Bible or if you don't know where that is, turn, uh, grab a pew Bible and turn to page 1117. And there you'll, you'll be right about where we are, Romans chapter 6, verse 15. Now, as we think about today's topic, I want to start by telling a, a story that will hopefully illustrate what we're trying to get across today. I was about seven or eight years old, and one of my great joys in life at that time was riding my bike to my buddy Carl Anderson. Now, I've talked about Carl before. Carl and I were buddies, and we just did, he happened to live not too far away from me. Well, this particular day, we were both, Carl and I were at his house, but we were wanting to go to my house. Well, his mother said, you better hurry because there's a storm coming, and you know, if you, you better leave right now and just go straight to Toby's house. So we left and got on our bikes and went down the path and went over to the dirt road. And as we turned on the dirt road, I remember distinctly the temperature shifting dramatically, it got cooler. And, and there was a gust of wind and we were on that old dirt road and we were going downhill toward my house, which was sort of at the bottom. And as we pedaled, I remember looking back and seeing a giant cloud of dust. And I thought we were going to die. It was scary to a seven-year-old. I mean, it was just this huge cloud of dust. And it, was getting, it wasn't just a huge cloud. It was getting closer to us. And so we were pedaling for all we were worth and pedaled as fast as we could, rode through the ditch, uh, jettisoned the bikes, and just ran into the house just huffing and puffing, heart beating, palm sweating, convinced that we had just had a near-death experience. Well, I don't know exactly how close to death we were that day, but, but there's two things that were happening that day that it was what I want to talk about is we're in Romans 6.15, okay? Uh, James is going to read Romans chapter 6, verse 15, and then I'll share with you what we're talking about today. James? What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who are once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Well, as we think about this... Uh, section of text and how Paul's describing how new life begins in Christ. He he reminds us of of one very simple, important point that was realized by a seven-year-old on his bike running from a storm. And that is, in your life with Christ, you are not just running from something, but you're also running to something. You see, that day, Carl and I were trying to avoid the storm. That we thought would be the end of our lives. But we also were seeking out shelter in my home. Now, in our walk with Christ, there are lots of people that understand we ought to avoid sin. It can be as dangerous and perilous to you as perhaps that storm would have been. But it's more than that, you see. It's more than just about running from something. It's about going to something. It's about doing something for Christ. When we walk in his grace, it doesn't just redeem us from sin. It delivers us to a savior. And so we have to make a choice. 
We all have a choice. I'm going to read again verse 15. Paul writes, What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. You and I, when we choose to follow Christ, are under a new covenant. This is probably one of the biggest misunderstandings about the Bible. If you hear people mock the Bible, I guarantee you most of the time it has to do with a misunderstanding of the difference between the old law and the new law. People say, why would I ever follow a book that tells me that I can't wear polyester and that I can't eat shrimp? What in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, they only show their ignorance. Okay, That was part of the old law, and those rules were set there for a reason. But one of the biggest things that we learn from trying to follow the old law, Genesis to Malachi, the law and the prophets, one of the biggest lessons we learn is that we can't keep it all. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how good you feel, uh, no matter how good you think you are or how righteous you think you are, compared to God's standard, you and I can't do it. It's just simply impossible. Now, many have tried, but all have failed except for one. And so praise be to God, we are not under the old law any longer. Now, the people to whom Paul is writing were very nervous about this. They had lived their whole lives under this system of worship and rules and law-keeping, and, and they were <clears throat> very stringent in their expectations of how to live. And now all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. Paul, the apostles, are preaching that they li- are now have the new opportunity to be under grace and not under law. Can I tell you, that makes some people nervous. Grace really does make people nervous because they think, oh, man, if, if, if we take off the rules, if we just let freedom reign, then oh, bad things are going to happen. People are going to abuse it. People are going to misuse it. And they possibly will. You're right. Freedom is a double-edged sword. With freedom, you have a choice and you have to choose how you're going to use it. Uh, I illustrate this. I think I've told this story before, but it fits well in this series. At our house, we use the phrase, I'm giving you more or less rope. I wish I could say that I came up with this myself. This is from Dave Ramsey. He uh, did this with his kids growing up. But I thought it's really a good illustration of the difference between law and grace. So rope at our house represents freedom. The more rope you have, the more freedom you have. And so sometimes when Tyler or Grace make a good choice or they're doing the right things or they do what we expect without having to be asked, we'll say, that was good. And because you did that, you're going to get a little more rope. And so more rope means more freedom. Later bedtime, uh, more privileges, uh, more opportunities, more freedom that they didn't used to have. Sometimes they'll make bad choices, not all the time. But we'll say, you know what? You're going to have a little less rope. Now, there are some parents who live with their parents or with their children on a very short leash their entire lives. They believe that the only way that their children will thrive will be under the, be under their protective umbrella to give them as little rope as possible. Because the more rope you're going to give them, the more possibility they'll just hang themselves. So we don't give them very much freedom. There are some parents who go to the other end of the, the other end of the spectrum and they just, well, forget the rope. Here you go, four year old, be free. Live your life. You make the decisions that make you happy. Well, that doesn't work very well either. 
The key is we got to have a balance between freedom, grace, and restriction, protection. God's laws, God's expectation of holiness is there for our benefit and for our good. But because Jesus fulfilled that, we can have a whole lot more rope, a whole lot more freedom. Now, there's a danger with that. we got to be careful. And it's going to force us all to make the decision of what kind of, which choice we're going to serve, who we're going to serve. Are we going to serve sin or are we going to serve the Savior? Verse 16 of Romans chapter 6 says, Do you not know? That if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the slaves of the one you obey. Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. You see, you get to choose if you're going to be a slave or if you're going to be free. Sin always wants to enslave you. Perhaps you remember the story from Genesis when Cain was very angry and upset because his brother Abel had been accepted by the Lord. He had worshipped God in the way God wanted to be worshipped. And God said to Cain, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. I think there's an important lesson. You need to understand that if you're struggling with a sin, if you're tempted by a sin... That that sin desires to have you, to master you, to rule you. You may not think that your struggle with lust is that big of a deal. Why, compared to the rest of the world? I mean, compared to all the other things that happen, the things that I look at uh, every once in a while on a computer screen or on my phone, it's no big deal. But you need to understand that sin never wants to stay in the same place. It always wants to get you into a subservient relationship. It wants to master you, to control you, to ruin you, and destroy your life. That's why God doesn't want us near it, because he knows what it will do to us ultimately. And the Savior, well, the Savior wants to do the exact opposite. He doesn't want to master us. He wants to free us. Your Savior said, anyone who follows me, Whoever the Son sets free will be free indeed. We are desirous of freedom as human beings. I think everyone is. But in Christ, we have a beautiful kind of freedom because of his grace. His grace, you see, is not a license to sin. It's a loosening from sin, from sin's mastery. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. This one won't be on the screen for you, so you'll have to turn there. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. Paul writes this. He says, <clears throat> starting in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these the wrath of God is coming. Look at this in verse 7. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. When we, when we are step into the grace of Jesus... We've got a choice to make, whether we're going to live for ourselves and for sin, 
or whether we're going to live for the Savior and live to be free from all the things that once enslaved us. Again, grace is not a license to sin. It's a loosening from sin. So I want to encourage you this morning. Well, here's what I want to encourage you. I want to tell you a story. Several years ago, uh, I think Tyler was about four, and he was in preschool. And uh, as he was, his preschool class happened to be learning about what we're talking about today, freedom and liberty. Liberty is a big word for four-year-olds, and so the teacher explained what the definition of liberty was. That freedom and liberty means we get to make our own choices. Packed with that knowledge, he headed home. Mom picked him up. Mom asked him to clean his room, which he didn't want to do because it was quite messy. And so after mother requested him to clean his room, he looked at her and he said, Mom, liberty means we get to make our own choices. I choose liberty. Raising a little William Wallace there, you know, we'll never take our freedom. Well, it was then that Tyler learned that he does not live in a democracy, but in the home of benevolent dictators. But the, the idea, the lesson that he learned, I think, was one that was right. Hopefully, he'll make decisions in his life, and hopefully, you'll make decisions in yours where you choose liberty, <clears throat> where you choose freedom, not to sin, but to be freed from sin. I hope that you'll <clears throat> turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Oh, he is struggling this morning, isn't he? Pray for him. Okay. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And, and, And skipping down about 12 verses to verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We have to choose to serve the Savior and use your freedom not just for yourself, but to serve someone else. And we have a ton of wonderful examples of this at Northside. By the way, if you missed the ministry fair this morning, I want to encourage you right after worship. uh, Is it still set up, Mark? Is the... It's still set up for a little while there. If you are thinking to yourself, man, I'm, you're going to hear some positive examples. And you, some of you may think, you know, Toby just has all his favorites. How come he never mentions my name? Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to serve and to do like these people have done. It's not because I favor them, but because I see something that they're doing that I think we all can be doing. We've got a lot of good servants at Northside. <clears throat> John and Cheryl Lahari selflessly organize a team, and they do so many good things with the food crew, um, whether it's serving Wednesday night meals or serving a meal for a family like they will this afternoon. Uh, even at Wichita Work Camp, they're always busy feeding the body quite literally, and that's a wonderful thing. And thank you to those of you who have been on that team, and thank you to John and Cheryl especially for your uh, tireless work efforts of sorting and shopping and serving and preparing. Uh, that's not easy work, but they do it graciously, and it makes Northside a better place to be. 
one of the small groups <clears throat> led by the Griffiths has d- decided to devote themselves completely to doing service projects. And I think that's great. Uh, here's a picture of part of their group serving some people, doing a craft there. And uh, they do this every <clears throat> uh, on a regular basis. And so if you may, maybe you ought to talk to Jared and Abby Griffith, be interested in being in their group or maybe be in a group and start that program or that uh, work yourself, serving other people. Mary Allen and Jennifer Douglas and Stacy Yeoman have been teaching the fives and kindergartners for nine years. I need your participation on this part. If you've had a child who have been taught by Miss Mary, Miss Jennifer, Miss Stacy, and the fives and Ks. If you have a child that's been through their class, would you stand up right now? Nine years ago, those ladies decided that they could teach. You can have a seat now. You see the impact that they made and that they continue to make by teaching uh, nine years' worth of five-year-olds and kindergartners? I mean, that takes a lot of patience. That takes an extra measure of grace. But I thank you for doing such a great job in that, ladies. And if you're interested, maybe you think I could teach a generation. I'm sure you were impacted by your own Bible class teacher. You could do that. You could talk to Norma and say, can I step in and and help and teach? Lots of other people that that I don't have pictures for, but I'm going to mention their names. Richie Weingart uh, coordinates the volunteers for the Sunday morning handouts. You heard him this morning if you were in class and uh, he just jumped in and did that. That's a great, enthusiastic attitude. And speaking of enthusiasm, Mark Hoyle uh, jumped into leading worship, sometimes quite literally, uh, jumped into leading worship. He has such great enthusiasm. But Mark's a musician. You know, he uses his talent to serve and to lead us before the throne room of God. He also, he and Beth serve as the uh, class leaders for the Alive class. Annabelle Bentley. Uh, has faithfully helped each week with the landing. And she did that even before she was a member at Northside. She she just loves teenagers, has a heart for them, and for, especially for those who are hurting. That's a, a wonderful example. Cynthia Schroeder is a pretty new Northsider. She came to us from Know Your Bible in the Shell Knob congregation, and she's just jumped into volunteering on Sundays and Wednesdays down with the safari, with the children's class. Um, what about thinking about people like... Um, the Bogarts, Amanda, Courtney, and Virginia are always willing to be guides for the safari wing and help wherever they're needed. And Donna Pearson <clears throat> works tirelessly. I see her wearing her glasses. She just had eye surgery. and um, But she works tirelessly to prepare food for the folks at CR faithfully uh, every week, even when she doesn't feel well sometimes. Anita Weathers uh, has been willing to teach from the kindergarten all the way to the youth group and Help uh, willing at a moment's notice uh, with all sorts of things. She's a a writer and very talented, but just has a servant heart and is always willing to go the extra mile. Uh, You might know that Norma Banning is the director of the Safari to the Sun, the children's ministry. And when you're Norma Banning, when your cell phone goes off on a Saturday night or early Saturday morning, you're not looking forward to receiving that call. Because nine times out of ten, it means someone's calling to say, oh, we're going out of town, or oh, we won't be there, or oh, I'm sick. It just means that Norma's either going to have to fill in or find someone to fill in. But there's one phone call that she really does look forward to. And she'll get this from Rose Shady on Saturday nights or Sunday morning. 
who's just calling to say, hey, I'm here. I'm willing to fill in wherever you need me. And if you have an opening, just let me know and, and I'll jump right in and do it. That is excellent service. That is going the extra mile. Sonny Banning said that Jim Weathers has always been willing to teach. He's always well prepared and always teaches an interesting and thoughtful class. Brenda Heller, who's an original member of the curriculum committee, always creative teacher and never fails to come to curriculum meetings with a number of great ideas for the, for the adults to learn too. Gloria Newsom, uh, is, Elaine told me that she was amazed at the number of times Gloria's name is mentioned as a person who's willing and already walking with someone who's in a hurting stage of life. Ken Leopard, mentioned by Sonny, is a gracious seeker of people. He meets and greets as many people as he can, guests and even longtime members, and encourages them to find their place and jump in. Now, I didn't, I'm sure, touch the hem of the garment in the ways of which people serve at Northside. If I didn't mention your name, please give your preacher grace, okay? Um, But I just share those examples to say we all can help. We all can serve. And that's what grace is all about. That's the purpose of it. It's not just running from something. It's being saved to something. And God has a purpose that he redeems a life for a purpose and a reason. So uh, think about how you can serve. I hope you have your uh, involvement survey. Maybe you've got it already filled out. Uh, I hope you went to the ministry fair. But if you didn't, hang around after worship and look for the opportunities that you can jump in. You don't have to do everything, but everyone can do something. And something always makes a difference. Now, throughout the year, we're doing this grace challenge. And now we're in the month of February. I have a new challenge for you. And it's this. And the purpose, by the way, of the grace challenge is sort of to stretch and to form your grace muscles. Not just to you're on the receiving end of grace, but that you're actually on the giving end of grace, distributing it as through January. There were some folks that took me up on the pay it backward where you bought someone's meal behind you in line or at a restaurant. Cindy Wagner shared that they went to Ziggy's Pizza and were able to bless a family. And the Tysons said that they were able to bless uh, their waitress at a restaurant. And it was really neat to hear some of these stories about how practical grace makes a difference in people's lives. Well, the February challenge is this. I said is make a visit. I want you to go visit someone in the hospital. I want you to go visit someone who we have probably 30 or 40 people watching online today, and welcome. Uh, but some people who are homebound, they can't get out. They have a hard time traveling, or maybe they're sick or ill. Um, there are widows and widowers who are lonely, and you could bless them with the benefit of grace by just paying them a visit. Now, maybe you have some people in mind. You can look through your handout, look through your bulletin, But if you don't have some people in mind, I've got a whole list of shut-ins and widows and widowers. You text me at the number above, and I'll send you the list. Or if you're not a texter, I've got a hard copy for you. Uh, But the point is, I want all of us to be thinking about one person that we could bless. And let me tell you, this is a great opportunity for a family to do this together or prayer pals to do this together. Uh, multiple, much good can come uh, from a simple act of love and grace. So.
Be thinking about who you could bless with a visit in the month of February and get after uh, contacting them and arranging that. And uh, please share your stories, a picture, uh, whatever you want. I'd love to be able to repeat and share some of those stories. I believe it's good for us. If you are here today and Christ doesn't know you, I want to tell you that you can be free today. It can start today. This very hour can start a new life. You can be born again, enter into the kingdom of God, and be given the free gift of eternal grace. If the Son sets you free, then you'll be free indeed. And maybe there's some here this morning that haven't done that. But if you have done that, and you're a Christian living in sin, I want to ask you a simple question. You've died to sin. Through Jesus, how can you live in it any longer? Perhaps you need to repent. Perhaps you need the prayers of our elders or myself. We'll be glad to help you in any way. Northside is about helping everyone on their journey to know Christ and to grow in Christ. And so if we can help you with that this morning, we want to. Whatever need you might have, please come forward and we'll meet you at the front as together we stand and sing.